over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... For the Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cut your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now and watch a hoodwink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. Summon fish to the dish, although I like the shally Swiss, I like the sushi, cause it's never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, big like Leanne rhymes. Hour number three of the program underway here on this Monday. Hope you're doing great wherever you might be. Thanks to Marva for joining us. Tim Thomas from the Tech Lunch Bell coming up. Text line is always open for you at 744-2990. Joining us now on the program, as we've been talking about, he is an author, newest book is major league debuts 2023 edition his name is james bailey james how are you good morning and welcome to the program i'm doing all right thanks for having me hey well appreciate you taking your time and uh boy here we are spring training underway 2022 such a massive year for impactful rookies how much did that play into uh this publication this looks terrific by the way major league debuts Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it was a, a quite a bumper crop for uh, for young players last year. Um, not only was it a, a record number of debuts, but a lot of them were really top notch players. Um, you know, when you have uh, Julio Rodriguez and you got Michael Harris, both winning Rookie of the Year, they both came up. Um, Adley Rushman with the Orioles, another great uh, great con- contributor last year. So. There were a, a lot of interesting players and kind of gave me the idea to go with a book like this. And so far, it's, it seems like it's doing pretty well. Well, I like it, too, because right now everybody's focused on, you know, some of these teams are giving out so much money in these major contracts. And people think, well, what's the, the hope for other teams? Well, uh, maybe some of the squads that aren't spending as much have some of these farm bases that are going to provide more excitement just coming up through the system. Like in the olden days. What about here in 2023? What are certain players or organizations that you like after doing your research? Well, 
you see that there's a lot of teams that are coming up. Uh, I mean, when you talk about number of rookies coming to certain teams, some of that is by design because those teams don't spend much money. Mm-hmm. And when those players, you know, traditionally become good enough to, <laughs> to earn a lot, well. they'll be traded. <laughs> you know, when you look at your Oaklands and, and teams like that. But there was a team last year that made the playoffs that had the second, tied for second most number of debuts. That was Cleveland Guardians. They did a really nice job of bringing those guys in. I think they've got a lot of upside there. Um, but the other teams that were near the top were teams like the A's, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Tigers, you know, teams that are not traditionally competitive, you know, compared to some of the other teams that spend more money. Mm-hmm. So, James Bailey joining us on the program. His book is Major League Debuts, the 2023 edition. And this is cool because not only do you go through there and learn about these players, you've got detailed bios, right, for over 300 players that uh, guys who came in last year and so forth are going to continue here in 2023. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of interesting stories, and I think uh, some of the most interesting ones don't belong to the top prospects. I mean, there's sort of twofold on that. We've heard a lot about some of these really top players. I mean, most people know Julio Rodriguez and, and them, but when you look at some of the guys who didn't get to the big leagues until they were 30 years old, they they didn't give up. You know, they traveled a lot of a lot of different roads to get there. Some of these guys played in in Mexico or played in the independent leagues, and they just wouldn't quit. Yeah, and so, that, uh, you're right, and that does you know for a lot of folks, uh, the common man, if you will, those are the kind of stories that we latch onto, and you capture a lot of those in your book. Yeah, everyone's got a story, and uh, that's what I think was interesting about not just focusing on the prospects is there's, you know, 303 players, and they all got there in a different way. Um, you know, you have guys like uh, Fernando Cruz, who reached the leagues last September with the Reds as a relief pitcher. He was originally drafted in 2007 as a short. He had a really windy road, but he made it, and uh, he was pretty good when he came up last year. He wasn't just there for a good story. He'll probably make the team this year out of spring training, I would think. James Bailey joining us on the program. His book is Major League Debuts, the 2023 edition. And you know, just looking at your background, you have a really cool background, man. I, uh, tell us what it was like working for the Durham Bulls through that era and so forth, coming out of the moving, the popularity of minor league baseball. And then uh, a, ded- a publication that dedicates itself to the lower levels of baseball and baseball America. How much has that experience helped you now to become an author like this, to put a book out like this? That was really important. Um, I started at the Durham Bulls in 1990, which was about, I want to say it was two years after the movie came out. So there were a lot of people that came through town, you know, uh, (laughs) looking for, um, looking at the old ballpark, because we were still in the old ballpark at that point in time. I want to say they moved to their newer park in 1993 or four. I worked there in 90 to 92, so it was in the old park and uh, had a lot of character to it, and the uh, Bulls were still Class A at that point. Now they're Triple A. Um, they were owned by the same person who owned Baseball America at the time, Miles Wolf, and so there were a lot of crossover. A lot of people worked games uh at the bulls who worked full days at baseball america and i hooked on at baseball america and worked there as an intern when i was in college and then went full-time after that well i'm so so, i'm just glad to see baseball america is still up and doing pretty good business online and so forth it's always been such a valuable publication hasn't it for the baseball fan 
I think it has been, and, and for a long time it was uh, regarded as kind of an industry publication, too. I mean, I think you would still find that every team subscribes to it. Um, you know, they all know what's going on, but they're still reading it to find out even more. So those guys do, they still do a great job. It's been going for more than 30 years now. James Bailey joining us on the program. His book is Major League Debuts 2023. It's just out getting you ready for the season. All right, I'm hearing from some of our listeners about uh, we have a lot of Orioles fans in the area. Uh, can you recall some of uh, – now, Baltimore has a very, uh, very stockpile of young talent. You mentioned uh, what's going on with Rushman and so forth. But what about the O's overall? What did you learn about those guys that they have that they feel like they can get maybe contributing here in 2023? Uh, you've got a few uh, really interesting guys. You've got uh, – Gunnar Henderson is he came up for the season last year and he's regarded by a lot of people as a strong contender for rookie of the year in the American League. Um you've also got uh let's see Kyle Stowers looks pretty good and he's got some chance a uh, good power hitter in the outfield. And uh, I really like Kyle Bradish. That guy came on strong in the second half. Um he had a little bit of a rough time here and there early on, but if you look what he did, uh he he went, took a perfect game to uh I want to say it was into the eighth inning against the Astros in one of his last starts. I think that guy's got some upside. Um, and then looking for, for a guy for next year who is should make his debut sometime early this year, Grayson Rodriguez is a, one of the top pitching prospects in, in all the minor leagues right now. So the Orioles have a lot of interesting young players. All right, how about uh, the other side? that shares the same space territorially up there in the National League, the Washington Nationals. I know they were buoyed by the Juan Soto trade, getting guys like James Wood and Robert Hassel. What about, uh, what about the Nats? And they also have a great story for an older rookie who made his debut. Uh, you got to be talking about Joey Manessis, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's another guy that wouldn't give up. Um, he, he's went down and played in Mexico. We had him, I'm up in Rochester, New York, so I got to see him last uh, last year before he got promoted. And, uh, you know, you could see the big power bat there. Um, I don't think anybody expected him to do what he did uh, when he went up with Washington. Um, he, that guy just they couldn't get him out. Uh, he, he had one of the, he was probably close to 1,000 ops over, overall for the time. He just wouldn't cool off. He kept hitting home runs, kept getting on base. He's going to kind of force his way into the picture for this year. And, um, you know, if he can keep the magic going, that'd be great. But they also, you know, they trade that trade you talked about. They they picked up uh, C.J. Abrams, who is a very talented uh, shortstop. They got uh, Mackenzie Gore, who didn't pitch for them, but did make his debut earlier in the year with uh, the Padres. Mm -hmm. He looked pretty good early on. And then he was having a little bit of... Um, elbow trouble i think when he came over but uh he's pitching now in spring training so hopefully that's not going to have any carryover effect um they they've got some uh some interesting players there they i don't think they're quite as deep as the orioles right now and they're not sitting as pretty uh probably with the uh, where they're going to go this year but um they, you know interesting guys they've also got cade cavalli who was a high pick and he he pitched briefly for them and then he sat out uh, a lot of the second half of his in injury but he's again pitching um in trip in uh spring training sorry uh this year already so looks like he's back on track james bailey joining us on the program his book is major league debuts 2023 edition so when you ha have the subtitle 2023 edition this is something that's going to be uh, annually right for folks to look forward to 
that's the aim. Yeah, I've already started working on some guys for uh, for next year's book. Um, I, I'm giving myself much more time uh, to get next year's book put together, so it won't be quite as much of a crunch. But it's interesting to watch the guys. Uh, we've been ha- had the TV on all weekend, watching various spring training games and seeing some of the guys that names from the book, and then uh, guys to think about for for next year. Um, you know how it's like when uh, you're watching spring training right now, and after you get about past the fifth inning, you're like, who are all these guys? Uh, so uh, there, there's a lot of variety of guys who you have to try and sift through and see, is this a guy I need to know about? Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, but that has to be something that piques your interest. You can't wait till those fifth and sixth innings to see these guys, right? That gives you more research opportunities. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's great to see them, see, uh, put, a, put a name to a body and a you know, you see some of these guys, uh, this guy, uh, you know, tall and lanky or, you know, what, what's their body shape look like as a pitcher? And, you know, it, it, it helps a lot to be able to see all these different guys and you get to see so many of them at once. So that's great. So when people buy your book, what is there an organization or two that maybe nobody's talking about now after doing research that you could see breaking through with more of these stars coming up? Is there one or two particular organizations that have, like the Orioles, like you mentioned, maybe the Nats, somebody else like that that has some budding guys that's going to make a lot of noise here in the next year or so? I kind of like the Royals. Um, they had a lot of guys come up last year, and they've got a lot. Uh, you know, some of them were headliners. You know, you had Bobby Witt Jr., who – he um, he played all year and he did well, but I think there's a lot more there, and I think he's a guy that's going to bat. He says people in the changes in uh, pickoffs, and you know people are expecting there's going to be a lot more stolen bases this year. He's one of the fastest runners in the game, so I think he's going to you know he stole 30 last year. He could be good for more than that. Uh, they have other guys. Nate Eaton, he's kind of an under the radar guy. He went to Virginia military. Um, he can play a lot of different positions. I think he's going to play for them. Uh, I really like Vinny Pasquantino, uh, who was another uh, Virginia guy. He came up in uh, Richmond and did his high school right. time there. Right. So, they're um, of interesting players, and uh, you know they're they're not shy about playing young players. So, and I think they have enough that there's going to be a, kind of a talent wave come through there uh, with those young guys. Well, I would think, too, James, putting together your book here, it's got to keep you closer to, I guess, the purest essence of baseball still, right? Kind of staying out of the biggest business part. You're just looking at these young players, seeing how these organizations sift through the farm and develop these guys. That's got to be a lot of fun, too, because it kind of keeps you in your roots in minor league baseball, like we mentioned before, the connection with Baseball America. It is. It's kind of fun looking at it. It's looking, you know, you see a lot of the same patterns. You see... There's obviously different parts of the country that, you know, Florida, Texas, Southern California, where a lot of these guys come from. But then you see pockets other places. Talked about Pasquantino in Richmond. They also had, um, he played on the same team as a, a kid who pitches for the Twins now, Josh Winder. Uh, and they, they played together, uh, competed against Nate Eaton. So you, you have different areas where there's like different storylines that kind of unfold. Um, different colleges that you may or may not expect to have uh, concentrations of players. It's, it's kind of fun looking looking through all these things and to also to see the stories of the guys who, who didn't give up like we talked about before because, you know, those guys are not necessarily in it for the money and they probably realize they're not going to have a really long big league career, but 
they want to get there. They want to do what they can, and you know, perseverance pays off. Well, again, baseball fans listening, I mean, Major League Debuts 2023 edition, whether you're a casual fan, a diehard, you have an organization that's trying to develop players. Heck, if you're in fantasy dynasty leagues, this is the ideal publication, right? Those things are taking off now. I mean, this thing's going to be an invaluable tool. And, uh, James, you will let people know they can find this. Uh, is it everywhere this thing's out and about? Where can people find your book? Uh, mostly it's online. You've got Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, if you want print copies, and then anywhere you can buy eBooks, you can get it. You can get it for the Kindle, or you can get it for anything else, any e-reader. Anywhere you can get eBooks. All right, all right. Well, we'll continue to push this for you, my friend. And listen, congratulations on your career in baseball. And I think this is going to be the first of many, many uh, publications for you. Again, it's James Bailey, Major League Debuts, 2023. And James, we really appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. There you go. So go out and buy that. A lot of baseball folks chiming in, especially you Orioles and Nats fans, right? I get it. You're excited about some of the young talent. He talked about it. He highlighted some of those guys that are coming up through the Orioles organization in particular. The Nats waiting in the wings. I mean, we have a chance, a whole, whole big chance to have some local baseball, at least local-ish, um, debut with some very talented young people. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Stay with us. More coming up. Tim Thomas in about 13 minutes as we roll along here on a Monday. The absolute best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! More Big Dog next on WRAD. Randy King, Virginia Tech football beat writer with the Roanoke Times. And you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Bottom of the hour coming up. <laughs> Appreciate the conversation with James Bailey. That was good. Major League Debuts 2023 edition. Tim Thomas coming up in about, I don't know, seven minutes or so. Ish. Just listening to little Joni Jett here. Song she actually recorded with the Runaways, and then she did it also as a solo release. Cherry. Cherry Bomb. Asked what I thought about the uh, pitch clock so far. Um, too early to tell. We just have one weekend of minor league games. We've had one game in because of the hitter. We've had pitchers that have been uh, found guilty. I believe once you get through it, you're not going to have much of an issue going forward in the regular season. Let's go to the phones very quickly. Hey, who's this? 
Big dog, Big Al and Gaylocks. Hey, Al, how you doing, man? You got about 30 seconds. What's going on? Just wanted to tell you, we had a physician here in Gaylocks that passed away a couple years ago. He played basketball with Davidson under Lefty Rizal, and he was a senior when Holland was a freshman. Cool. So he spoke very highly of Terry Holland, and they remained friends throughout their life. That's awesome. He was a great man. I had a chance to interview him twice back in the early 2000s, man, and he he, he was the guy that you always saw on TV. He was. He was a true Virginia gentleman. He was, man. He was. That's a big loss. It really is. It really is. Have a great day. Thanks, Big Al. Good call. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Terry Holland, I, I mean, he's one of those guys, I mean, even if you're a Tech fan, I haven't heard anybody say a negative word about Terry Holland. Now, they may have criticized some of his teams down the stretch when he was there at UVA, but not as a person in his integrity. He's going to be missed. David Till had the story we talked about at the end of Hour 1. They, uh, Terry Holland has passed away at the age of 80, succumbing to his Alzheimer's disease and other physical ailments. Tim Thomas scheduled to join us next, our final segment on a Monday. I'm Frank Beamer, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. 25 minutes from the top of the hour. Hope you're well, wherever you might be. Good conversation with James Bailey. Major League debuts, the name of his book, 2023 edition. Always a good conversation when we're joined by our next guest. He has created and he edits the Tech Lunch Pail. His name is Tim Thomas. Tim, how are you? Good morning. Morning, Rick. I am doing fantastic. Hope you are also. Yeah, I mean, for a Monday, we're uh, navigating through okay, fairly seamlessly. All right, let's uh, a lot to talk about. Let's um, get into the men's basketball weekend, and uh, a couple things stood out to me. I want to get your take after watching the Duke game. Uh, first of all, how can Hunter Couture just take four shots in 38 minutes? Uh, Sean Padula shouldn't be taking 14 shots, and I didn't see an energy level or a sense of urgency at all. I know this team's resigned to the fact that they're going to have to win the ACC tournament to make the dance, but uh, it just seemed like to me kind of a flat effort against Duke from the men's basketball team. What do you think? Yeah, well, they buried themselves in such a hole at the beginning of the game, that 19-5 run. I mean, they just looked all out of sorts um, in those first seven minutes um, of that game. I mean, it was just – they just didn't seem to have any composure or rhythm offensively, and Mike Young was merciful in calling that timeout. I mean, part of it as well is you're playing Cameron Andor, and – there's a reason why I can't, we all know Cameron Indoor is one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. There's a reason why Duke is 15-0 at home um, and not ranked right now because they're real, they are a completely different team at home, a really good team at home. And, you know, yeah, it just wasn't a very composed early. And they, you know, and then they, you get up the 16-0 run as well in the second half, and that's the nail in the coffin. And early in the second half, and that's game over, even as you kind of get to eight for a couple minutes there, first couple minutes, and you, you're trying to claw back in. and Yeah, and that, which is a little atypical of this team. Even though they've had their defensive struggles, they haven't given up a lot of big runs like this. They gave up two um, in this one, two double-digit margin runs, um, and they didn't have one themselves at all. And so, yeah, you know, but, you know, I, I still think, you know, like I said, 20, 25 minutes of this game, Tech played fairly well. Um, but those runs were killers. Um, those runs were killers, and Tech was maybe lucky in some ways to lose only by 16. Um, yeah, it was a tough night. Sean Padula had a tough night. Um, there's no denying that. 
Um, the, the slow start hurt. I mean, he was more efficient in the second half, but two for nine in the first half. Um, and Mike Young, after the game, gave a lot of credit to John Shire um, for, you know, kind of him going with the we're not going to let Hunter Couture beat us strategy defensively, um, regardless of who else does well. Um, that was kind of what Mike Young credited to is, you know, Duke saying, you know what, Couture's beat us too many times of late. Um, if we're going to lose this game, it's not going this time it's actually not going to be because of Hunter Couture. And uh, I can't say I blame that strategy. Um, and it worked. So, yeah, I, I think there's a, a multitude of things. And, and look, this this team's now 1-9 and on the road. Um, I know, you know, on its own, Cameron Indoor losing at Duke, you're, you're never going to have an issue, per se, because it's you're playing at Duke. I, I still think there's some of those chants from the Cameron Crazies and whatnot that are still stuck in my head from Saturday night. But, um, yeah, I... I think it's just one of those things where you you then put into the aggregate. You can't go one to nine on the road in this ACC. You, you just can't. Um, yeah, it's been disappointing to say the least. And they still got one more. And now it's one they absolutely should win at Louisville and should comfortably win. If they don't, I mean, I'm not sure how many people care about this at this point. But they they'd probably be on the bubble for the NIT at that point. And now, at that point, I'm not sure how many fans would particularly care if they even made the NIT at that point. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. But uh, it's been a real. That's been a big. And it's weird. It's, it's weird because they were three and zero in neutral site games as well. Now, now all of those were before the Couture injury. But it's not like it's just traveling away from Blacksburg is an issue for this team or something. Uh, it, it's puzzling why this team has struggled so much on the road. Um, at least yeah true road games yeah. now you're right the road record and they start out 11 and one and now they're five and 12 cents and I know Couture was out but a lot of questions now starting to circle around we'll have to wait and see how they finish up and you're right they, they got to win at Louisville and I would think they're going to win against Florida State although Florida State I know beat Miami that's a rival game but the other big wigs in the league couldn't win at Castle I would expect them to win their last two but like you said if something else happens who knows but We'll have to wait and see. I guess the only bright spot, it was nice to see Rodney Rice. You know, he's starting to show signs that he's getting back into the flow of the kind of player he could be next year. Yeah, it was really good to see what Rodney Rice actually playing a second consecutive game for the first time this season. Um, you know, there's a part of you that does wonder in some ways, you know, and obviously this had to be a, a conversation between Mike Young and Rodney Rice on the decision to bring him back and not, you know, save the medical, you know, go with the medical redshirt. Um Obviously, that had to be a decision uh, that was made by both, you know, kind of consulting both of them, the Rice family, I assume. You know, pretty standard in, in the sport. And so, but yeah, playing back-to-back games, um, like I said, looking like he's actually finding some comfort in offensive rhythm. Um, you can just see the talent that he has. You, you can just see it. Um, obviously, there, there will be some what-ifs of what if Rodney Rice doesn't get hurt before the season. And he actually gets to play a full season this year, what this team would have been. Because um, there's no doubt they would have been better. Um, there's no denying that. I mean, when you have a guy who's, you know, doing a crossover, making a crossover, step back three over a future first round pick in Filipowski, seven foot big in Filipowski, and drawing the foul at the same time, I mean, you know, that's a pretty, talent, that's a pretty darn talented player. Um, so it was three five three. Um, like I said, the first couple games he played non consecutive um, 
it struggled some just the shooting as a whole. It seems like maybe it's finding a shooting rhythm now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does going forward um, this week against Louisville, Florida State. And I tell you, he is one guy who I think the NIT would be very good for him to get a lot of experience going the next season. Um, it'd be very good for him to be able to get that experience, especially after missing so much of the season. Well, no such issues as we're being uh, joined by Tim Thomas, the creator and editor of the Tech Lunch Pell. No such issues for Kenny Brooks' squad. They went again, as expected, over Georgia Tech. Another, hey, why not? Another double-double for Liz, 29-11. and 11. This team on a roll, eight in a row. I mean, I think, in my opinion, I know they're going in as the three seed, Tim, but I, they're my favorite to win the whole thing in the ACC tournament. Oh, I 100% agree, and I'm not sure how particularly close it is. Duke is probably the one team I would say it's just because of how well they played. Maybe Louisville. Notre Dame's got some questions now with the health of Olivia Miles. After yesterday, haven't seen much in terms of the significance, so still not sure. But yeah, the team's playing so well right now. And look, they've been able to build the road and get done this week at North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Two great wins. The Kitley Thriller, you know, where she's breaks the school record for, for career bulk scoring, and then. Five minutes later, hits the game winner as time expires against UNC. And then obviously yesterday, George Tech Kitley once again dominant. Uh, trailer is playing better of late. You know, Amor has had a slight slump, but guess what? They just cruise along. Um, she's had a slight shooting slump, and they've been just fine. Um, Sewell playing well, Greg King. I mean, they have a great six-woman rotation. You're getting some solid minutes. They'll provide a little rest from, from Guyman. As well, obviously, Kenny's still trying to see if he if he can get Ashley Wusu going. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen at this point, but if he can, the team still might have another level in it. And that's a terrifying thought for the rest of the country. So yeah, you know, going to Greensboro this weekend, um, they're obviously going to be, I think, like I said, the, the favorite. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're listening from a state outside the Commonwealth that allows sports betting. Uh, and you're a betting person. Um, Virginia Tech to win the women's agency basketball tournament would probably be a decent bet at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this team, this team is rolling. And the thing is, if they go win the ACC tournament, they got a decent chance to earn a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, now, some fans may prefer a two, as long as it's not South Carolina region, if it's in the other Greenville region, in part because just that, you know, it's in Greenville, it'd be, you know, uh, if they get, get, get the Sweet 16, you're playing in Greenville and not Seattle. But, yeah, I, I mean, this team's got a legitimate chance to win and, and get a, earn a number one seat. Now, obviously, you look at the board right now, South Carolina, obviously, they're one overall. Indiana, they're, they're, they're a lock, it feels like, um, despite losing Donald Buzzbeater to Iowa yesterday. Um, Stanford, probably. So it comes down to Utah, UConn, LSU, if they were somehow going to run and win the SEC tournament, could, you know, and that's there probably would, but I, I, I'm not buying that at all. Uh, but, yeah, UConn, Utah, Iowa, or Maryland, um, they go win the Big Ten tournament. Um, and Tech. So Tech's right there still can, you go, can go get that number one seed, uh, which what an accomplishment that would be. For a team that is, you know, regardless of whether one or two, this is a Final Four contender, and it's a team that, look, South Carolina's the favorite. There's no denying that. They're the clear favorite with a national title. But they're one of those teams that, if Tech is one of those teams that has the talent and is playing well enough to elevate their game to be able to pull up an upset against South Carolina. 
Tim Thomas joining us on the program. He's the founder and editor of the Tech Lunch Bell. And before we let you go, Tim, you had a great piece about Tyler Bowen, his thoughts on this quarterback coaching search and what it means heading into the spring. Not ideal timing, of source, uh, with Coach Glenn being gone now, but that makes a lot of sense where he went. Uh, what did you learn after finding out about where we are with Tech and their new quarterback coaching search? Because it's a big deal with Grant Wells and, of course, the drones kid looking like they're going to battle tooth and nail this spring. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's kind of um, it kind of proved to be in some ways for us in the media fortunate timing, uh, maybe for Tech a little unfortunate um, that last Tuesday we got to speak with the coach, the assistant coaches, the pre-planned thing. Brad Glenn was on the uh, itinerary originally, of course, by that point in the afternoon, or by the time that was happening, Glenn was going to Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, I, I think you know, obviously there's a sense of urgency. You know, when you look at Spring practice is coming up in a football sense. You know, you have that in a recruiting sense of sitting you mentioned, but I would think this is also a, a, a factor in this as well is the recruiting dead period is about to end. And, you know, that ends this week. Now, I don't think that is as big of a priority because you have the analysts who, you know, also, and everybody else who plays a role in recruiting anyway. But you want that done as quick as possible for that as well. And so, a sense of urgency. I think one thing we, you know, I put up a list of names that I think would make sense in terms of people that could could be a fit. Um, a lot of those guys have ties to Bowen or his staff, connection with someone. But the other side of that is Bowen hasn't been, I mean, you look at the first offensive stack, staff that Tech put together, and Bowen hadn't worked with any of the other four assistants previously, um, you know, at a previous stop or something. Which is kind of something, in all honesty. Uh, that's kind of something that it would play out that way. Um, you, you don't see that a lot. Um, and so I think Bowen is more than comfortable going outside what you would call his, his, his direct network in terms of coaches he's worked with, per se. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does. Um, if he does that again, um, because he's shown more and capable now. There's a lot of guys that make sense. Um, but I think, like I said, you're gonna, you know, it's the classic. You're looking for that right combination of coaching acumen at the position, quality recruiter. Um, even though that may not be the most most thing stated, and then also someone fits in well with the staff, with what you want to do offensively, um, who coaches well to that style. Um, whether you want to go more traditional, whether you go, you're, you're going to try to bring more spread or RPO, um, whatever you want to do. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how and who they do. Um, like I said, I would have ruled out being it would make a lot of sense. A lot of the guys that are out there have some sort of connection to someone on the staff, especially who would make a lot of sense. There's some interesting names available out there. Um, or guys like that, that would just make sense for them to give a call, who I think, you know, got the call would obviously probably be interesting. So it'll be interesting. Um, but I would think it seems like, and I, I mean, Andy Bitter, um, who, by the way, someone needs to hire him. Um, mentioned last week after that he expected to be pretty quickly and that seems to be a consensus. This is going to move pretty quickly. It wouldn't be shocking if something happened. Honestly, to me, it wouldn't surprise me if something happened this week. That's that's just pure speculation. You know, it seems like Tech knows what they're looking for, where they're going in terms of the people they want to pursue. Um, and you would think this could be wrapped up fairly quickly um, knowing the sense of time and urgency. It seems like also they, you know, they have less. They were ready if something happened like this. 
All right, well, we'll keep an eye on the website. You guys, I know, will have everybody updated as you follow the final regular season for the men on the hoop side, the women getting ready for the tournament, the stick and ball sports. Tim, thank you so much for your time as always, my friend. I appreciate it, Rick. Great stuff. That's Tim Thomas from the Tech Lunch Pal. They have everything updated. Go check it out because uh, they're constantly keeping you in the loop about what's going on. All right, uh, we're coming to the rapid end of the program here today. One more segment, and then we're done. Good stuff all the way around. Appreciate uh, all of our guests today. We'll talk more about them when we come back and preview tomorrow's show. Don't go away. Now shut that door and get the hell out of here! The grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. It's kind of like... Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite. Looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Rubbing sticks and stones together make a spark ignite. And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting. Sky rockets in flight. Woo! Afternoon delight. Whoop! You guys have it, I think. Huh. Afternoon all right, that gives us something to look forward to later on today. Thanks uh, again today to uh, Marva, James Bailey, for joining us. Go check out his book, Major League Debuts, 2023 edition. You can order it online, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Probably have it over at the Barnes & Noble in Christiansburg, I would think. And good stuff from Tim Thomas from the uh, Tech Lunch Pail. And great stuff from you, our listening audience. Had a lot of fun today. Of course, uh, the news shared by David Teal. Uh, kind of highlights everything else today. The passing of the uh, longtime head basketball coach at Virginia, Terry Holland, at the age of 80. Again, I put the uh, David Till story up, the link of it up on the Facebook page if you want to read about it. So it's there for you as well. Tomorrow, we'll uh, get to the Tuesday edition with Mike Burnup. Um, he's going to be, uh, what, down in Kentucky tomorrow? Yeah, getting ready for the Hokies and the Cardinals. Jermaine Farrell and David Smith will talk some NFL stuff tomorrow as well. So a lot coming up here on the program this week as we get ready for college basketball tournament time in the Big South. It begins on Friday. You have the last regular season weeks for the Power Fives on the men's side. Women's tournaments getting underway. Mid-majors like the Big South. We start on Friday, the quarterfinals, Radford and the Winthrop Eagles. It's the late game on Friday. We'll be on the air around 8 o'clock, tip-off around 8.30. 
All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of the program. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.